come to drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. Drop the bomb. We gonna drop the bomb. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new values, and a new experience. After a recent conversation with a dear friend, I decided to try and remove the word busy from my vocabulary and from my life. It began by him asking me how I was, and I responded quite typically for me, all is good, great actually, super busy, and you? Well, being the introspective type, he asked, what does busy even mean anymore? And everyone is just so busy these days. That conversation really got me thinking. What do we really mean when we say we are busy? Are we overscheduled? Are we filling up our lives with to-dos to fill some kind of void? Are we afraid of downtime? Afraid of the silence? Are we competing with one another by stating how busy we are? I'm so much busier than you are. In this busyness a choice or more of a function of the new highly connected normal? And why in the world would we all choose to be so busy? Well, my next guest has introduced the concept of peace breaks for women who are overwhelmed by the demands of marriage, motherhood, and maintaining their careers. With the peace break, she encourages women to carve out moments in their day to pray, breathe in order to de-escalate stress and reconnect with the presence of God. She has conducted peace break sessions throughout the Cherished Flight podcast, as well as with live audiences. She is a publisher, a writer, an editor, a mother, a wife, and the founder of Cherish Flight, a ministry dedicated to helping women realign with peace of God. She has produced over 70 episodes of the Cherish Light Flight, the podcast, <laughs> where she shares biblical steps women can take to embrace the peace and purpose God has for their lives. In the spring of 2018, she released her book, Inhale Peace a 30-day journey to realign with the peace of God. The devotional was created as a daily guide for people to connect with the peace of God every month of the year. In July 2018, she launched the Inhale Peace Journey through the devotional, a video series that walks her peace collective through each day's devotional. I would like to welcome my friend, my girl, my girl from the South, the Dirty South, all the way from Nashville in the building. Welcome, Miss Candace Green, to the Sound Bombing Studios. Thank you for having me. So, should we do a quick inhale? Yes. Want to go ahead and give us a quick inhale? Okay. So, close your eyes. Okay. We're going to inhale peace and exhale fear. And inhale peace and exhale stress. Inhale peace. Tell frustration. Man, I had to go with that last one. You know, I was a little frustrated getting out this morning to get my son to basketball <laughs> practice. So I needed that. Man, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I am great. I'm sorry. I'm a little nasal. It's nothing like a summer cold. I think I've been traveling because I've been traveling. 
all over. And you said it, not getting rest in and out of the cars, the heat, the air is changing, the air conditioning. You know, this has been crazy. So this is the longest I've ever had uh, this summer cold. So I am sounding like Biggie over here. (laughs) Not not that. Uh, not not that nasal. <laughs> not that nasally. So how have you been handling all this success? You got this hot book out. Uh, how have you been handling? And how yeah how how have you been handling this success? Um, uh, it's a day by day thing. I, I see it as um me really connecting with. You I go. Me really connecting with uh, my peace collective, um, people who have been following me, people who really need to tap into and tune into the peace of God. A lot of people don't realize that it's accessible to them. It's not just something for other people. It's for all of us. And so to uh, have people contact me and say, thank you, I need to hear that. Or um, today's uh, entry has really touched me. Or thank you for writing this book because I needed it. Um, Thank you for the peace breaks because I haven't, I didn't know what I could do uh, to bring myself back into alignment or just to rid myself of the stress of, of work or whatever. Uh, it, that that really is what it's all about for me. So that even before the book, people were contacting me saying things like that. So that really does help me to know that uh, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all your posts, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, people uh, taking photos with the with, with the, the book, book in their hand. Of course, I have. I have my copy right here. I don't know if you autographed my copy. I did. Uh, did you? I'm just double check. Okay, you yes. did. All right. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but 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 let's let's take a step back. Sure. Uh, before you started this um, this journey to writing this book, and before, um, I mean, you are a mom and, and you are a wife. Uh, let, let's start with Candace uh, as a writer. When did it dawn on you that you had this gift of writing? Probably in the seventh grade. I used to, you know, when they give you the assignment to do your spelling words and you had to write your spelling words and the definition and a sentence. That's old school. Yeah. We need to bring some of that old school we stuff do. back. We really Spelling do. definitions. Oh, yeah. Man. And the parts of speech. Oh, yes. I used to write, create stories out of like I, my sentences weren't random. They were all stories. So after three or four assignments, my English teacher said, Okay, we need to put you in the Excel writing program because all of your sentences make great stories. And that's when I started really kind of tapping into the fact that I was a really good writer. Um, And then when we did, I used to enjoy writing papers. I know that sounds crazy. Such a nerd. (laughs) But I enjoyed it. But but being a nerd is in right now. Right, yes. I probably would have hated to sit next to you in class. You know when teachers call... And they ask you to read, and then you raising your hand and candid. I'm like, man, put your doggone hand down. <laughs> but I wouldn't raise my hand because I was very, very shy. Oh, wow. But, but I. But you like to read a lot. I you? like to read. Yeah, showing uh, off. And my mom, well, <laughs> my mom and I would actually read the, 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 the uh, assigned textbooks together, which was really fun uh, because then I could interact with her and, you know, get some insight from her. And then when I got into the class, I wanted to share those, uh, the insight that we had shared together at home. So as an early age, you were nurturing your gifts. Your teacher saw something in you, mm-hmm. and then your mom sort of nurtured that gift as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh wow! I, I remember clearly reading the Count of Monte Cristo together with my mom, and we've done it again as adults. So it's it's great. Wow. Yeah. So so what were you learning about yourself in that process at a very young age? Uh, did you know Did you know any writers who who was your favorite Who was your favorite author at the time? I did not have a favorite. I was just writing 
it wasn't until uh, the summer of 10th grade I had, uh, so I'm from Nashville. Nashville in the building, the dirty <laughs> south. One of my first summer job was as a camp counselor at Fisk University. They had a summer. Um, Shout out to HBCUs for yes, those that are listening. Yes, Fisk indeed. In the building. And I'm a Payne College alum. Um, but um, when I was on Fisk's campus, that's the first time I'd ever heard of the Harlem Renaissance. Now, I'm in 10th grade. The first time I ever heard of the Harlem Renaissance. And the instructor of the program was like, what? You never heard of the and she took me to their their collections uh, area in the library. And that's when I learned about uh, Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston. And I just fell in love. I just fell in love. And that's when things took a really big turn for me. And I started thinking, hmm, maybe I could write plays or maybe I could do nonfiction. And um, I don't have to just stick with poetry because, you know, as a young person, you're writing a whole bunch of poems. I guess for you, it was rap, uh, rap lyrics. But for me, it was poetry. I was um, a poet too. Come on, now. how you going to this rap lyrics? Come on now, you want my po- you, you you met me on the poetry scene. How you going to play me rap lyrics? She's going to like. Well, you know, I'm boys, saying, you guys focus on the no, rap lyrics. I'm saying well, you you know how many sisters I got with my poetry back in the day when you were in the tenth sure. grade going through the Harlem Renaissance. I was writing poetry trying to holler at some sisters at the time. But thank you, I've moved on. I've moved on since then. But no, seriously. but you really got into the Harlem real estate. I did, Renaissance, and that's yeah. when it, it, this whole new world opened up for me, and I just knew this is where I fit. This is where I belong. And I loved, I love to bring people on the show to find their callings at a very, very young age, and then also where people really help you shape that. I mean, you mentioned two teachers: a seventh grade teacher. You mentioned a 10th grade teacher. Of course, you mentioned your mom. And just recently, Jay-Z's teacher, I don't know if you saw the I interview. I saw that video. Jay-Z's teacher, I think, was an English teacher yes. at the time. And she said that he had something special. Mm-hmm. So, to, so to hear that your teachers nurtured you at a very, very young age. So then did you start to hone in your writing skills at the time in 10th grade and, and in high school? 10th, Start to go a little deeper? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I will credit my 12th grade English teacher, Miss Green. Um, no related? No relation? No, no. Okay. Absolutely no. Okay. He said no. <laughs> Remember, my maiden name is Oh, Martin. that's right. Yeah, I forgot. My yeah. name is Green. But um, she was tough. Like, I, I walked into her class thinking, oh, yeah, I can write. My first paper, I got an F. And I was like, Wait So what did that do to your ego? Oh, it made me say to myself, um, I've got to prove to her that I can do this and to myself. And so we did a lot of Shakespeare. Um, and we had to write papers using quotes and things like that. So even though I got an F, the one thing she wrote on my, um, one of her notes was you have a, a, a very good mastery of using quotes to prove your point. That's not easy to do. Um, but that little bit of encouragement helped me. She didn't crush me. She just let me know you're not as good as you think you are, but you, but you have a lot of potential and ability. By, and, and by the time I left that class, I was getting A's on my paper. Wow. So, yeah, wow. she, she really pushed me. So when I got to college, it was simple. I was tutoring my friends on how to write papers in college and then worked in the, um, the college uh, tutorial center. And I received a junior certification for editing. So that's when the editing came into play. Because uh, the woman who ran that program on the campus, she said, you, you really have a, a, uh, an understanding of how to edit. 
I want you to take this certification. So I did, and I got a junior certification for editing. Um, and so I would help people on the campus. I would have loved you when I was in college. <laughs> I would have definitely. I wish I'd have known you back then because, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, when I look at some of my students, uh, they they have like this sort of running f- funny joke on Facebook, and they talk about their English teacher, how they just hated going to that class. But then they, they realize once they got older and more, many of them have gone on to college and uh, they have careers either in writing or that requires them to write, mm-hmm. they, they, they thank that individual. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing, where do you actually go? Like, where, where, where do you go? Do you physically go somewhere, spiritually go somewhere? Where does I, writing take oh, you? Oh, what's the zone, my writing zone? Um, and you know what? Because when you're talking about the word busy, um, being a mom and, and a wife and working, it's it's very hard for me to get into that zone for myself personally. Like I do a lot of writing for other people, uh, but for for me to get into that zone, uh, it takes a minute. So last week I was away at a conference, and one day I just took the day for myself. I slipped away from everything, went to this restaurant, sat in a booth, and it just happened. And I was able to reconnect with my writing self. It just felt good. No kids asking for anything. No, like Your husband not asking, hey, where, where's my bow tie, my right. cufflinks? Right. Just felt good. It was good just, just being. me being me by myself, having that opportunity to just flow. Well, so we're, so let's talk about busy people because yeah. everybody everybody don't doesn't have that opportunity sometimes. What advice do you have for, and I know a lot of your writing is geared towards women, but of course I read this book as well. What advice do you have for women that are out there who are living busy lives, who um, who who have these gifts? There's a great film I love called The Shift by Parker. I mean, uh, by um, gosh, man, I, I should know this. Uh, the Shift. I'm always by Dr. Wayne Dyer. And in The Shift, he 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 talks about a woman who is an artist, and the 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 his, the, the children of um, of the mom don't know that their mom is an artist. So she has like some coloring. It's like, mom, we've never seen you draw. We've never seen you paint. And she goes into this show and then she locks herself in the bathroom and her husband comes in and she needs a, you know, a, a peace break, a place to go yep. to be by herself. And he busts in and she hides everything. Hmm. So how do you then help moms or just busy people sort of remove themselves from, the envir- from that environment to then tap back into that, that childhood where we imagined, where we were creative at our very, very young age, where nothing mattered about just it just mattered about being a kid. You know, what what steps can you can you share with us to, for us to get to that level? Well, that's where the peace break comes in, actually, uh, because with everything going on in the world, in your home, um, just on your block, whatever, um, you have to make some time. It is it really is an intentional um, action that you must employ in into your schedule in your day in order to get back to that point, to, to get to that peace break. That's a moment where it doesn't matter how long it is, five minutes, 15, 20, whatever. You must schedule it on your calendar. For me, that's what I have to do. It is there every day at 12 o'clock. It pops up. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be noon for you, but you have to create time on your schedule for yourself. So if you can't physically leave the city or if you can't physically leave your home or what have you, you're saying just take that time and be committed to it. Yes, because once you tell your family, I'm taking a peace break, I need some time for myself, I'm come back to me in 10 minutes or put a sign on your door, mom's at a peace break, they will leave you alone. What does it do for you? It helps me to de-stress. 
I actually started uh, the Peace Breaks before working at where I work right now. But I really started taking them when I started working this job because I needed it. It, it is very, very stressful. And so um, I literally, what I tell people is get up from your desk and, and I, I kind of tailor it toward work, but you don't have to take peace breaks only at work. But get up from your desk. Don't worry about the phone that's ringing, the email. Go outside because if you sit in your office, you're not going to do it. Somebody's going to leave the space where you are. And go to go to an outdoor venue. For me, outdoors is really connecting with God. And that's where I do the peace breaks that we did at the beginning of, of your show. And um, I just sit there and really breathe because it helps to. I notice when I'm anxious, I'm not taking deep breaths. And I, my, my brain is running and I start to panic. But if I um, give myself a moment to breathe and just really just pray, because sometimes I end I do a prayer as I'm doing the peace break. It helps me to regulate my breathing. What's going on? There's something in here. Regulate my breathing and then um, really just get myself calm. And then you feel the peace of God settle over you. There's nothing. So what are you hearing from some of your readers of the book and some of the folks that you've been um, walking through the peace break? What are some of the responses that you're getting in social media or some of the phone calls? What are people saying to you? It's really allowing them a moment to be introspective and to say to themselves, what, you know, what can I do to really connect? You know, um, every day has a different theme. So what can I do to choose peace? What can I do to uh, shift my perspective on on a situation? How can I begin the process of forgiving? Uh, and, and the one thing I stress on, on my videos is this is not a counseling session. I'm not a licensed therapist. If you need to see a counselor, do it. But this is just a way to open the door to say, hey, this is how I can reconnect with peace, you know, through forgiving someone. Um, that's a major. Yeah. Major. Yeah. Major uh, peace connection. And, and you're not, you know, we talk about this word, you know, forgiveness. Yes. Um. When you when you're going through this process, it's not just it's not for that other person. It's, it's really for you. it's it's really for you. Mm-hmm. And and I think when we hold on to that pain and that frustration, and we look at the person who's moved on, and we say, you know, something might have happened years ago, and you're like, I, I can't believe that you know Richard uh, has forgotten about it. Richard has moved on. We're talking that happened like in 1987, and you're still holding on, and then you're upset that this person has moved on. And yes. so, you know, that piece around forgiveness uh, is really important for, for someone that's listening because many of us are stuck and stagnant because of some things that have actually happened to us. Yeah. Uh, it's what do we do with the things that happened to us? And I think you're providing some very, very specific strategies on what you can do today. You don't have to have a college degree to do this. You don't have to have a, a social media account, a vehicle. It's just removing, like physically removing yourself and then mentally and spiritually removing yourself. And, 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 and actually um, going inside internally. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you think most people won't do this? Why won't people do this? Because people don't want to, people don't want to believe that they can take the time to do this. It's like self-care. Um, and people don't believe that it's for them or that they can do it or that God would actually create peace for them. I think we have... I think we have um, 
to really believe that God looks at us, God knows us, God loves us, God provides his peace, grace, mercy, favor for us individually. It's not just for, you know, uh, the leader of a church or someone who seems to be spiritual or whatever. It's for each and every one of us. And if you don't believe that, then you're not going to seek it. That's just my opinion of why people don't do it. I know um, I used to say all the time, I'm too busy for what for prayer. Yeah. Whew. What? Too busy for prayer. Now that I think back on those days when I used to say that, my life was in chaos. And I think people are just throwing, you know, throwing this whole busyness around. And in a world where we have access to all this type of communication, these devices, uh, I use this. Uh, you see, I'm rocking my shirt today. Inhale, I exhale, see. repeat. I was prepared for our interview. Mm-hmm. I use an app called Calm. And and every Love so often app. it'll beep and say, take five breaths, take 10 breaths or what have you. Yeah. But even with people, you know, you give them these tools and they still don't use yeah. them. And then they wonder why they can't find peace. They go to bed at night and they go to sleep, but they don't get any rest. And so then they wake up and they're frustrated and then they start the process all over, yep. all over again. Walk us through your daily ritual. What is what does a daily ritual look like to you for your busy day? Okay, so I get up and my first thing is prayer. But I don't sit in my bed and pray because I'm going to go back to sleep. So I have to remove myself from my bed, go and pray. Once I do that, then um, that helps me to kind of align things. And I know people are automatically picking up their phone and scrolling through social media. So I try to put a message out there first thing in the morning just to remind people to, you know, it's early morning, reconnect with God, pray, um, get your mind right for the day before you get to the craziness of what's going to happen on your social media. Yeah, because when you grab grab your phone, if your phone is the first thing that you grab, you're going to be into reactionary mode. And so again, what you're saying is start these rituals early, pray, take a deep breath, maybe kiss your significant other, yeah. uh, get yourself together. Mm-hmm. But if you jump right out of the bed and you grab that device, you're going to be reactionary. You're going to mm-hmm. be like, well, you know, my, my account is low. My mother called late last night. Um, I Work forgot emails. to break, I had to f- bring some food for the kids at school. So we're saying to you, don't put that at the top of your list. So, right. so what's next Connect for you? Connect with God first. What's next with you and your routine? Um, and then after that, that's when I start getting the family up. But I pray. Um, I pray a lot over my house and my kids and my husband. Um, and I do that at night, too. Like when they're asleep, the beginning of every month, I anoint my home. Mm-hmm. I have to. But and I and I wait until they're asleep to do that. And then I anoint everybody in the house. I, that might sound strange to some people, but that's just my tradition and my uh, my uh, what I do for our home. But on a regular day, then I get up and, you know, get everybody ready. Well, they're older now, so they can get themselves ready, but get everybody's mind right. Um, my kids know about peace breaks, so I remind them. And this doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. I'm not a perfect Betty Crocker mom. There's some mornings when I'm totally off. Yeah, but but you but, but you but you do have a ritual and a routine. I do, yeah. And then when I get in the car, I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to talk radio. I don't listen to music radio. I like silence in my car. And um. And, but you know, folks are afraid of silence. Yeah. Because because of things that are going on in their head, they don't they're wanna. they're afraid, so they turn on other things. Mm-hmm. To, to try to tune out. that out, mm-hmm. but then they inherit some nonsense. Right. And then they carry that into work. And so 
as a part of the ritual, one of the things I do, but, but you know, with, uh, also with my meditation, mm-hmm. is I'm mindful of the music that I play. Very. You know, because quite often when you playing this music that sort of shifts your energy, it carries a spirit. It does. It definitely carries. It a spirit. It carries a spirit. So you, I mean, you can catch the Holy Spirit from listening to, to gospel or yeah. a certain gospel. So what other spirits can be placed upon you listening to? And I'm a hip. I love all types of music, mm-hmm. but there's certain days throughout the day. Well, I'm like, yo, I cannot put on uh young. I can't put on Jeezy and I can't put on this dude. I got to put this on because that's what I need in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's really, really about balance. But again, if yeah. you're talking about starting your day and for those that are constantly pouring into other people, you uh, got you got to you got to guard you yourself. To. You got to be and prepared. I didn't know that at first. I, I It took me a very, very long. I'm still learning this. Um, How to allow God to replenish me. So that's where the whole saying no comes in. I read this book. Uh, it's called The Emotionally Healthy Woman, Eight Things You Have to Quit to Change Your Life. Um, this woman, I cannot pronounce her last name, but it's Jerry Cazaro. Okay. Sorry. if you. But anyway, she was a pastor's wife who her life was so out of balance. It's crazy. Raising kids, helping her husband, being the first lady of a church, you know, it was really just chaotic. And one day she just did like Caesar in uh, Planet of the Apes, the original. The original, yeah. And said, no, I cannot do this anymore. And she stepped down from all of her ministry duties. And her husband's like, uh. Well, she had to do it for herself, she not did, the other and people. And it shifted the atmosphere at her church so that now they have a balance. So understanding that I have, it, it's like. Saying no is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's saying yes to yourself, saying yes to what God wants you to do. Because I have a tendency to be a people pleaser. And then I overwhelm myself with everything that mm-hmm. I have to do for everybody else. And then I get, I become resentful and bitter at that person when it's really my fault. Yeah. Because I didn't say no when I could have said yeah, no. no. No is sometimes the hardest word to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot of power in that. Yeah. And it surprises people when you do say no, because we're used to because when you're saying no to some when you're saying yes, to, when you say no to something, it's shutting that off and saying, I refuse to do that. Because quite often we're saying yes. And when you say yes to something, you're saying to yes to a whole lot of things that you didn't realize that you were signing up for. Mm-hmm. So I'm, so it's it's important to understand the power of no. There's, there's this great TED talk by this brother named Reginald Strobel. Stro, I think his name is Reginald Strobel. He talks about the power of no. And, and again, being a mom, being a woman, quite often, and you said being, you know, who you are, you're constantly trying to please people. And then in that process, you're losing yourself. Totally. And I know what happens when you lose yourself in the people that you're around, yep. either being a mom or a dad or the work that you're actually doing. And so that that book was an inspiration to you. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 talk about let's talk about um, your book, Inhale X, X. I mean, Inhale Peace. And in the the first session, uh, now you're doing these these posts, right? These video posts. So we're going to start off with one of those posts. Let us know what we're going to be seeing. Okay, so actually it's day 11. Um, and this one was called Sometimes It's Me. And it's all about how we uh, destroy our own peace with uh, bringing chaotic people into our lives or the way we think and speak. We speak in death and thinking death. Um, we're not speaking life to ourselves. And that brings its own type of energy and own type of spirits. And so this whole, uh, 
that whole day, inhale piece day 11, is all about what we can do to break that pattern so that we are not um, the person that's wrecking ourselves. And you know, it all starts with accountability, self-accountability and looking at you and saying, okay, that's me. All right, so let's check it out. Hey, Peace Collective, this is Candace Green. I'm coming at you on Wednesday morning. Um, Wednesday morning of week two of our Inhale Peace journey through the devotional. Um, again, we've had such a great time over the past uh, 10 days, and today is day 11. So on Inhale Peace day 11, we're, we're talking about sometime it's, sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you. The scripture says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. If you notice that your life is, uh, that you are surrounded by chaos, confusion, um, constant, just strife then you know that God is not present in that strife. Not that he's not with you, but that his peace is not present in the midst of that strife. Then there's something that you need to do, um, which is, excuse me, ask yourself, am I filled and surrounded by chaos and confusion, constant arguments and disagreements, or does my life reflect peace and order? Take a moment to assess your life, the people in your life, what's happening in your life. Are you choosing to live in chaos? Is that a choice? Is it something that you subconsciously are bringing into your life? See, the thing is, sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you bringing the chaos because you've invited the chaos into your life and it is you that can remove the chaos now sometimes you are the chaos sometimes you bring that confusion into the space Mm. yeah so tell us about that particular uh day 11 day 11 um Originally, I was going to be talking about cutting toxic people out of your life. Uh And that morning, God was dealing with me like, don't you know you can be toxic to yourself? And I was like, what? Me? Yeah, you. You're not perfect. And I started thinking back on how I used to, um, how the things I used to say to myself when I was like uh, in my early 20s, I I went through this horrible season where... um, I was dealing with childhood issues. That's part of the reason why I ran out of Nashville because I, I wasn't ready to deal with those things. And But I carried them with me when I moved to New York and then to Baltimore. And so um, I really had to, God really wanted me to begin to put that seed out there for people to examine themselves. And that's what this day was. So I got a lot of responses from that, not necessarily on social media, but people texting me saying, ouch. That one hurt because now I have to look in the mirror and say to me, you know, what am I doing to me to destroy my peace? And and why am I not worth making the effort to embrace God's peace? What is it that I feel like I'm not worthy of? And that's some deep stuff when you start thinking about 
you know, how how can I say to myself subconsciously I'm not worthy of God's peace? And so that's the, the lie that we have to remove from our thinking. And that's what this is all about. So, so as, as you uh, walk us through this book, let, mm-hmm. let's walk us through how does one use the inhale peace, uh, the journey? Okay. How, do you, how do you go through this? So you... it's a daily devotional. You mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily use it on the you know, first through the 31st days of, of, of every month. Um, but you read the passage um, and then you write your reflection. I always tell folks to have a, a, a journal next to them because this is not enough space for you to write, you know, your reflections or what God may be telling you in response to what you've read. Uh, and also a Bible, because you might want to do some deeper reflection. Um, and so that that's really it. And then there's a nugget of peace that you can kind of take with you every day to remind you um, about what that day's reading was all about. So while writing this book, what did you discover about yourself? The writing of this book actually happened on Labor Day weekend in New York. I was sitting outside at my mother-in-law's house and I just picked up a journal and zoned out for two days. It took me two days to get this out. It took me two years to release it because I didn't think that people needed it. I thought that. So were you writing it for people or were were you writing it for yourself? I was writing it for people. And then after it was written. I said, oh, this is not good enough. Nobody's going to really like this. This is not going to resonate with anyone. You know how the enemy comes into your head trying to convince you. And so I sat on it for two years. But I did send it to my friend who's an editor. And um, she was like, this thing just ministered to me. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. And she says, oh, you're not there yet. I'm going to wait. And so after, uh, I think it was maybe around the holiday season last year, she texted me and she said, you, you wasted my time. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you wasted my time. I edited your book and you wasted my time because you haven't released it. It is time to release this. People need to know that they can be connected to God's peace, especially in the climate that we are in right now. Well, there's a metaphor in that word release. I mean, let's, yeah. let's, let's look at that. You said mm-hmm. this needs to be released. What were you releasing in the process or what were you holding back that people really needed? My whole fear was that people would think this was too soft. And I don't mean like, I mean, like with everything that's going on in the world, you know, the police killings of black men and everything with Trump. I thought people would think (laughs) that this is just too passive. But then that's when God said, no, peace is. Accepting God's peace is not a passive action. It is a constant and consistent effort. It is an aggressive act because when you are in a situation where you are feeling chaos and confusion, you have to actively choose to be at peace. And that is not easy. And so I. But isn't that the best time to write? You know, if if the world around let's let's remove the world, because I think I think we look too big. Yeah. Let's talk about our own world. You know, we could talk about politics. We can talk about what's happening mm-hmm. in the other areas. But let's look at our own world and the chaos that's actually taking place. Wouldn't this be the, the best time? Well, it would be. But I had to uh, believe that and, and say, OK, you know what? I'm going to release this. And because God wrote it mm-hmm. and because who writes a book in 48 hours? 
and it just flowed out of me every single day. The scriptures, like I went through first and I looked for this, all of the scriptures related to peace. I found 31 of them. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a devotion. Okay, God. And then the the wording just came. So so why why focus on women? As I, as I read your bio and we talked about a journal and a journey for women, why just focus on women? You know, can men not read this book? No, or? men can read this book. I encourage men to read the book. Um, I think I base it. Uh, I think I base a lot of men's opinions on my husband, like and his mindset. We're total opposites, mm-hmm. um, but I believe that for me, my ministry is more geared toward Did women. Okay. Not to say that men are excluded, because I have a lot of men in my peace collective too. Um, but I'm looking at this from the lens of. Um, wives, mothers, the expectations that people have for women as sister friends and daughters and caretakers, um, taking care of everything at work and how that can just overwhelm you with everything. And even with your children and, and their needs. And when you have multiple kids, every child has a different need and you have, and you're working as a mom to meet those needs because you're the nurturer in the house. Uh, Not to say that fathers can't be nurturers, but it's a different type of nurturing that comes from moms. And so that's one of the reasons why I gear it toward women, because I think that women, we we also um, tend to, I think, discount ourselves, uh, put ourselves on the back burner, feel guilty when we take some time alone or when we say, I need a break. We feel guilty about taking that break, so we cut our breaks off. We, we, you know, we, we, that, well, I've done that in the past mm-hmm. where and I, hear, I hear that a lot from a lot of the women we bring yeah. on the show. A lot of women who are CEOs, I mean, high performing women mm-hmm. who struggle with, um, you know, running a, running a fortune 500 business or fortune 100 and then have to manage their children, then have to stay healthy, then have to look the part. Uh, I'm learning that, you know, of course, mm-hmm. raising two daughters. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm learning that as well that, that uh, we all need those breaks, but I definitely, I definitely see women needing that much more because, you know, as, as you just said it, we are just two different animals mm-hmm. and the way we see the world, even when we, you know, even when we were preparing for this, you was like, how's my hair looking? How I feel? And I'm like, <laughs> home girl, let's just get this thing started. But you're mindful of that, which is great because a lot of women lose that. Yep. They lose that. And if you listen to Michelle's comedy, mm-hmm. my wife, you listen to her comedy. She talks about, I'm not going to lose my womanhood because I have three children and a husband and a dog and we live in this great neighborhood. And so I applaud you for writing that. But I just wanted to be very clear that men and women can read this. They can. can men and book. women. Yep. Okay. Definitely. And uh, my brother is one of my biggest cheerleaders. He's read it several times and passing it on to his male friends. Okay. So what brings you the greatest joy uh, in life right now? Greatest joy comes from. I really, my greatest joy right now is cherishing and knowing that I'm operating in the zone that God needs to operate. I enjoy it tremendously. This thing wakes me up in the morning and just thinking of how can I let people know that God is there for them, that they are not alone. It, it really does. It wakes me up in the morning. And that's what passion and purpose is about. Is that you doing this work? Uh, but it, has there been a moment in life where you just wanted to just sort of walk away from this type of work? Is that one 
person you might have come in contact with, or maybe a childhood memory that just sort of resonated in your head that still sort of pulls you back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect, and we, you know, there are things I still need to deal with and issues, I think, but um, I, I, I'm coming to a point where once you hit 40, things kind of change. And I'm coming to a point where I'm beginning to understand me. And not only that, embrace me and, and my uniqueness, which at one point I thought was really a, a bad thing. I used to think my voice was bad. I used to think my So, so was that was, was that bad. internal or were those were those people saying that to you? Or were those just voices in your head? It was internal. And then um, you know, when you go through that whole thing as a teenager where you're different and people are like you know, I don't want to be bothered with you because you're different. The way you see the world. and the way I see the world, the way I talk. I don't have a Southern accent. You definitely don't have that I have national. never had one. My entire yeah. family is, they have it. Yeah. I don't want to say country. <laughs> but you just said it, right? <laughs> yeah. Country country grandma, as Nellie talked about. So so how did you shake that, though? How did I shake it? Yeah. Um. Was it the teachers that invested in you? Was it your mom? Was it you just had it a... It was moving. Moving so physically was it a physical move? Was it a spiritual move? Moving to te- moving from Tennessee to uh, Maryland and interacting with different people and learning how uh, they kind of looked at the world made me appreciate how I looked at the world and my perspective. But not only that, what I bring to the table uh, because I have some skills and I have some um, great insight and um, God uses me too. So it was just accepting that uh, that really changed things for me. Okay. So walk us through a peace break. Yes. All right. So how we, how do we approach this? Just take us step by step. Okay. So um, you remove yourself from wherever you are. Um, and you, because if you stay in that same space, especially if you are at work. So physically remove yourself. Physically remove okay. yourself. Because if you're at work, somebody's going to come into your office, your phone's going to ring, you're going to get an email, you're going to be distracted. So you walk outside. And like I was saying, um, outdoors really helps you to reconnect with God. And then you close your eyes and you just inhale and exhale. It's like deep meditative breaths. And you give yourself that time to just breathe and just be silent and then pray. It's really meditation. Um, with prayer added in. And you use words, so take us through. Oh, okay. You want, you want to go through a peace break right now? Yep. Okay. So then start off. So okay. walk, actually walk us through a peace break. Okay, step so by you step. close your eyes and you inhale peace and exhale fear. And inhale peace and exhale worry. Inhale peace and exhale frustration. Now you can add on your prayer. You can talk about whatever is causing you to feel anxious. Um, Whatever it is, the whole point is to leave it right there. Or you can just sit and be silent.
And then how long do does one typically do a peace break? It just depends on you. Uh, I've done them five minutes. I've taken 30 minutes. It just depends on what you need and how you need to communicate with God. Um, if I'm really stressed, I just, I don't even time it. I just take that time I need to reconnect. And, you know, sometimes God works fast. You do a peace break, it's like, oh, let me go back, get back to this. And sometimes it takes a minute, you know, to work through the, the ice. Now, speaking of working through some things, I know throughout our, our conversation, our sidebars and this basic conversation, you, there was some personal things that you struggled through with your dad yeah. uh, that sort of are coming out with the work that you're doing. Let's let's talk about let's talk about that. So I had, like many of uh, your listeners, maybe um, a very tumultuous relationship with my father. Uh, we were estranged for many, many years. Um, and so uh, once I started having children, I really wanted to reconcile with the peace. And um, I think after I had my daughter is when I said, I'm releasing all of my anger, my frustration with this situation. Whether we reconcile or not, I have peace now because I have forgiven you. I just remember writing that and speaking that out. Um, my daughter was born in 2010. Went home for Christmas. Again, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Went home for Christmas in 2005, which is really ironic because that's the same. It was 2014 because that's right before I, I relaunched Cherish Light. And my father found out I was home and he texted me and he says, hey, I want to I want to I want to have a coffee with you. So I'm like looking at my phone like, what? My dad wants to have coffee. OK, so this is the day we were leaving. I told my husband, I said, we're going to have to delay leaving because my dad is calling to have coffee with me. He's like, go ahead. I met my dad at a Starbucks and we sat in Starbucks for five hours, five hours talking. And the things I learned about my dad, my dad had been very ill. And he said that God told him he needed to make things right with his children. But, um, and he needed to do it immediately. And so we talked about, I was able to unload everything, how I felt that typical kid sitting on the stoop with the luggage waiting for Dad that never came. Yeah, I know that feeling. Feeling like I wasn't worthy enough for him to be in relationship with me. I thought when I was a kid, I was very, very chunky. And so I thought, you don't want to be my dad because I'm fat. I mean, those things that go through a kid's head. Um, you, I, I Then I thought, okay, well, I'm ugly. My dad doesn't want, you know, all that craziness. I told him all of that stuff. He cried and he said it was never, ever you. It was the guilt that I felt that I had, that I was harboring, that kept me from you. And so the further I could be away from you, the less guilt I would feel. But the more, those times when I saw you, I couldn't see you. I saw my guilt at not knowing who you were, what you liked. I didn't know anything about you because I didn't, I wasn't a part of your life. And so to sit there and, you know, have my father tell me these things, this is the thing you dream about. Um, it just really freed me, but I had to release my anger with him first. And that was like, 
So did you did you come there with your anger? Like I'm about to tell this dude no, off. No. You had no expectations. I I I I'm not gonna lie and say I didn't have any expectations. But I didn't have any anger. Didn't have any anger. So no expectations in what was going to actually happen. I was just willing to listen to what he had to say, because what I was learning was in in forgiving someone. Sometimes you have to put yourself in their shoes, a perspective shift. Um, I'm an incest survivor Mm -hmm. and I had to, in order to forgive that person, put myself in her shoes because she was raped as a child. That was her family culture, which was normal to her, which is what she brought into my household when she came to visit. And so for me to forgive her, I had to shift my perspective to say, okay, this is what happened to her. So for my dad, I had to do the same thing. What type of work does one need to do to do? Because I believe, you know, forgiveness is the fragrance the violence sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I really believe Mm -hmm. that. And so, quote again? you know, forgiveness is the fragrance the violence sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Wow. And I believe it takes us to get to that point. But the beauty of this, when you think of this heel stepping on this violet, but what comes out of it? Yeah. How does one get to that level where you forgive? How, what did you do? It takes it took me a very long time. I was angry for a very long time. And for me, what really sparked it was watching my husband with my daughter. And though I love the fact that my daughter had a relationship with my husband as her dad, I was envious. Mm. And I would watch them and think to myself, how unfair is it that I never experienced um, my dad reading to me or my dad picking me up or knowing that I wake up and my father is there. Are you coming in contact with a lot of women that are feeling that because that's personal the women that I come across, they become envious of the children because they have such a strong dad and uh, they didn't have that. But I have never heard anybody voice it. I had to. To hear you say that it. is very empowering because yeah. there's a lot of women that hold on to that because yeah. your husband is doing what he knows. He could have got it from his dad or not. So he's not doing it to show you what it should look like. He's, right. he's just doing it because. Because it's it's innate, it's a part right. of him. Right, and he loves his. But daughter. to hear you say that mm-hmm. word that I was I was envious because I didn't get that, and quite often that can cause problems, problems, frictions, and, and estrangement between the, yes. between the two of you guys. And I did not. You mentioned to, to somebody happen. right now because that's happening a lot. Yeah, it really, really is. Mm-hmm. And I did not want that to happen with my relationship with my daughter, and I didn't want the enemy to use that to create a. A roadblock between myself and my husband because I noticed I was getting angry with him or lashing out and he was like what's going on with you I just you know but it was not even him it was me and me trying to go through my feelings about these things and so then I just had to take it to God and say take this away from me because I do not want to cause any kind of I don't want to be estranged from my children I don't want to to cause any kind of friction. And I don't want to create an atmosphere where my daughter feels guilty for having a relationship with her father because that is what is supposed to happen. And so I really started working through that thing. I really did. I had to go to counseling for it, to work through it, to release my anger uh, for to you know that I had with my dad, the hurt, the anger, the frustration, all of it. I had to really let it go. And really, it's all about the decision to let it go. Once I decided to let it go, to say, 
I'm worthy regardless. Then that's when I was able to begin the process of really uh, forgiving and healing and, and forgiving and myself. Your, your, you're piecing your life back together. Mm-hmm. And, and forgiving myself. And then what, what role, so for, definitely forgiving yourself, but what role did the writing take in that place? Was that your... Oh, I was doing journaling at that That point. was your outlet. Yeah. And when I go back and read those journals now, I'm like, ooh, this was ugly. Because I was trying to be as honest as possible to get that... So journaling is important. You know, yes. as I studied the highest performing people on this planet, meditation, eating right, rest, and journaling is very, very important. Because imagine walking around with all this stuff in your head Mm -hmm. and because you had an outlet and you started really really early people started seeing things inside of you Mm -hmm. and then now you're able to be a blessing to other people um i think i think that that's uh, that's important um so now this is a part this is a part of the show we where we throw out these um what i call the sound bombing super questions all right okay i'm going to throw these questions out uh, and I don't want you to think too too deep uh, about these questions. All right. All right. What's your favorite word? Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite quote or Bible verse? I threw Bible verse in there because I know you. But you can pull out your book. Well, you know, favorite quote or favorite Bible verse. Yeah, I do have. Uh... It's actually day 11. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Okay. What dead person would you most like to meet or get advice from? My grandmother. What is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? The Emotionally Healthy Woman. <laughs> to my friends who I know need to, to read it. What is the one? What is what is one of the best or or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? It could be an investment of money, time, energy, etc. The time to allow myself to do cherish flight. And what's your superpower? I really think I'm a I'm am becoming a very peaceful person, like for real, for real. Like I really do. And I, I believe that uh, when I, I bring that to the atmosphere. So, I, and people have said that to me many, many times, like, oh my God, you walked in the room, I just felt peaceful. It's not me, it's God operating through me. But I I, I like that um, I feel open to allowing God to use me in that capacity. So what's next for Candace Green? Uh, working on the next book. Got a title? Can't share that. Can't share that, okay. <laughs> nope. But um, I'm excited about it and what God has for me. And so how could uh, our listeners get in contact with you? So you can find me on my website, cherishedflight.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as Cherished Flight. My podcast, which is on hiatus for the summer, uh, comes back at the beginning of August. Uh, Cherish Flight, the podcast. You can find all of these great things on my website, cherishflight.com. And if you are um, in need of the book, you can go to the website there, click on CF Shop at cherishflight.com to purchase the book. And also watch all the videos if you need to get caught up uh, journey through the devotional there as well. Well, this has been an amazing interview. I just have to publicly thank you uh, because Candace was really the inspiration uh, when I decided to do sound bombing, she was one of the first people I reached out to about technology, 
about subject, we talked about names, and we talked about music, and we talked about guests, and we talked about social media. So you were really, really a light uh, in that tunnel for me uh, to allow the creator to sort of use my voice. So it was an honor to have you on the show. I was really looking forward to sitting down with you. I'm enjoying the book. And thank you uh, for coming uh, to the Sound Bomber Studios. Thank my producer, Darius Wilmore and Supremacy for our theme music and all of our listeners out there. And as always, believe that something wonderful is about to happen and that some people miss the message because they are too busy looking for the mess. Thanks for tuning in and do something for someone other than yourself today. You have been listening to Sound Balmy. Thank you.